Chapter 15 of Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Most Remarkable Criminals, Volume 2, by Arthur L. Hayward. Chapter 15 The Lives of Edward Burnworth alias Frazier, William Blewett, Thomas Berry, Emmanuel Dickinson, William Marjoram, John Higgs, etc., robbers, footpads, housebreakers, and murderers. Part 1. As society intends the preservation of every man's person and property from the injuries which might be offered unto him from others, so those who in contempt of its laws go on to injure the one and either by force or fraud to take away the other are in the greatest proprieties of speech enemies of mankind and as such are reasonably rooted out and destroyed by every government under heaven in some parts of europe certain outlaws banditti or whatever other appellation you'll please to bestow on them have endeavoured to preserve themselves by force from the punishments which should have been executed upon them by justice and finding mankind from a spirit of self-preservation were become their enemies they exerted themselves the utmost they were capable of in order to render their bodies so formidable as still to carry on their ravages with impunity and in open defiance of the laws made against them but an attempt of this sort was scarce ever heard of in britain even in the most early times when as in all other governments the hands of the law wanted strength most so that from the days of robin hood and little john to those of the criminals of whom we are now writing there was never any scheme formed for an open resistance of justice and carrying on a direct war against the lives and properties of mankind Edward Burnworth, alias Frazier, was the extraordinary person who framed this project for bringing rapine into method and bounding even the practice of licentiousness with some kind of order. It may seem reasonable, therefore, to begin his life preferable to the rest, and in so doing we must inform our readers that his father was by trade a painter, though so low in his circumstances as to be able to afford his son but a very mean education however he gave him as much as would have been sufficient for him in that trade to which he bound him apprentice that is to a buckle-maker in grub street where for some time edward lived honestly and much in favour with his master but his father dying and his unhappy mother being reduced thereby into very narrow circumstances restraint grew uneasy to him and the weight of a parent's authority being now lost with him he began to associate himself with those loose incorrigible vagrants who frequent the ring at moorfields and from idleness and debauchery go on in a very swift progression to robbery and picking of pockets edward was a young fellow active in his person and enterprising in his genius he soon distinguished himself in cudgel playing and such other moorfields exercises as qualify a man first for the road and then for the gallows 
the mob who frequented this place where one frazier kept the ring were so highly pleased with burnworth's performances that they thought nothing could express their applause so much as conferring on him the title of young frazier this agreeing with the ferocity of his disposition made him so vain thereof that quitting his own name he chose to go by this and accordingly was so called by all his companions burnworth's grand associates were these william blewett emmanuel dickinson thomas berry john levy william marjoram john higgs john wilson john mason thomas makins william gillingham john barton william swift and some others that it is not material here to mention at first he and his associates contented themselves with picking pockets and such other exercises in the lowest class of thieving in which however they went on very assiduously for a considerable space and did more mischief that way than any gang which had been before them for twenty years they rose afterwards to exploits of a more hazardous nature that is snatching women's pockets swords hats etc the usual places for their carrying on such infamous practices were about the royal exchange cheapside st paul's churchyard fleet street the strand and charing cross here they stuck a good while nor is it probable they would ever have risen higher if burnworth their captain had not been detected in an affair of this kind and committed thereupon to bridewell from whence on some apprehension of the keepers he was removed to new prison where he had not continued long before he projected an escape which he afterwards put into execution during this imprisonment instead of reflecting on the sorrows which his evil course of life had brought upon him he meditated only how to engage his companions in attempts of a higher nature than they had hitherto been concerned in and remembering how large a circle he had of wicked associates he began to entertain notions of putting them in such a posture as might prevent their falling easily into the hands of justice which many of them within a month or two last past had done though as they were sent thither on trivial offences they quickly got discharged again full of such projects and having once more regained his freedom he took much pains to find out barton marjoram berry blewett and dickinson in whose company he remained continually never venturing abroad in the daytime unless with his associates in the fields where they walked with strange boldness considering warrants were out against the greatest part of the gang in the night-time burnworth strolled about in such little bawdy-houses as he had formerly frequented and where he yet fancied he might be safe one evening having wandered from the rest he was so bold as to go to a house in the old bailey where he heard the servants and successors of the famous jonathan wilde were in close pursuit of him and that one of them was in the inner room by himself burnworth loaded his pistol under the table and having primed it goes with it ready cocked into the room where jonathan's foreman was with a quartern of brandy and a glass before him 
hark ye says edward you fellow who have served your time to a thief-taker what business might you have with me or my company do you think to gain a hundred or two by swearing our lives away if you do you are much mistaken but that i may be some judge of your talent that way i must hear you curse a little on a very particular occasion upon which filling a large glass of brandy and putting a little gunpowder into it he clapped it into the fellow's hands and then presenting his pistol to his breast obliged him to wish most horrid mischiefs upon himself if ever he attempted to follow him or his companions any more no sooner had he done this but frazier knocking him down quitted the room and went to acquaint his companions with his notable adventure which as it undoubtedly frightened the new thief-taker so it highly exalted his reputation for undaunted bravery amongst the rest of the gang a thing not only agreeable to burnworth's vanity but useful also to his design which was to advance himself to a sort of absolute authority amongst them from whence he might be capable of making them subservient to him in such enterprises as he designed his associates were not cunning enough to penetrate his views but without knowing it suffered them to take effect so that instead of robbing as they used to do as accident directed them or they received intelligence of any booty they now submitted themselves to his guidance and did nothing but as he directed or commanded them the morning before the murder of thomas ball burnworth and barton whom we have before mentioned pitched upon the house of an old justice of the peace of clerkenwell to whom they had a particular pique for having formerly committed burnworth and proposed it to their companions to break it open that night or rather the next morning for it was about one of the clock they put their design in execution and executed it successfully carrying off some things of real value and a considerable parcel of what they took to be silver plate with this they went into the fields above islington and from thence to copenhagen house where they spent the greatest part of the day on parting the booty burnworth perceived what they had taken for silver was nothing more than a gilt metal at which he in a rage would have thrown it away barton opposed it and said they should be able to sell it for something to which burnworth replied that it was good for nothing but to discover them and therefore it should not be preserved at any rate upon this they differed and while they were debating came blewett berry dickinson higgs wilson levy and marjoram who joined the company burnworth and barton agreed to toss up at whose disposal the silverware should be they did so and it fell to burnworth to dispose of it as he thought fit upon which he carried it immediately to the new riverside and threw it in there adding that he was sorry he had not the old justice himself there to share the same fate being really as much out of humour at the thing as if the justice had imposed upon them in a fair sale of the commodity so easy a thing is it for men to impose upon themselves 
as it happened they were all present pretty full of money and so under no necessity of going upon any enterprise directly wherefore they loitered up and down the fields until towards evening when they thought they might venture unto town and pass the time in their usual pleasures of drinking gaming and whoring while they were thus as the french say murdering of time a comrade of theirs came up puffing and blowing as if ready to break his heart as soon as he reached them lads says he beware of one thing the constables have been all about chick lane in search of folk of our profession and if ye venture to the house where we were to have met to-night tis ten to one but we are all taken this intelligence occasioned a deep consultation amongst them what method they had best take in order to avoid the danger which threatened them so nearly burnworth took this occasion to exhort them to keep together telling them that as they were armed with three or four pistols apiece and short daggers under their clothes a small force would not venture to attack them this was approved by all the rest and when they had passed the afternoon in this manner and had made a solemn oath to stand by one another in case of danger they resolved as night grew on to draw towards town barton having at the beginning of these consultations quitted them and gone home as they came through turnmill street they accidentally met the keeper of new prison from whom burnworth had escaped about six weeks before he desired edward to step across the way with him adding that he saw he had no arms and that he did not intend to do him any prejudice burnworth replied that he was no way in fear of him nor apprehensive of any injury he was able to do him and so concealing a pistol in his hand he stepped over to him his companions waiting for him in the street but the neighbors having some suspicion of them and of the methods they followed to get money began to gather about them upon which they called to their companion to come away which he after making a low bow to the captain of new prison did finding the people increase they thought it their most advisable method to retire back in a body into the fields this they did keeping very close together and in order to deter the people from making any attempts turned several times and presented their pistols in their faces swearing they would murder the first man who came near enough for them to touch him and the people being terrified to see such a gang of obdurate villains dispersed as they drew near the fields and left them at liberty to go whither they would as soon as they had dispersed their pursuers they entered into a fresh consultation as to what manner they would dispose of themselves burnworth heard what every one proposed and said at last that he thought the best thing they could do was to enter with as much privacy as they could the other quarter of the town and so go directly to the waterside they approved his proposal and accordingly getting down to blackfriars crossed directly into southwark and retired at last into st george's fields where their last council was held to settle the operation of the night there 
burnworth exerted himself in his proper colours informing them that there was no less danger of their being apprehended there than about chick lane for that one thomas ball who kept a gin shop in the mint and who was very well acquainted with most of their persons had taken it into his head to venture upon jonathan wilde's employment and was for all that purpose indefatigable in searching out all their haunts that he might get a good penny to himself apprehending them he added that but a few nights ago he narrowly missed being caught by him being obliged to clap a pistol to his face and threatened to shoot him dead if he offered to lay his hands on him therefore continued burnworth the surest way for us to procure safety is to go to this rogue's house and shoot him dead upon the spot his death will not only secure us from all fears of his treachery but it will likewise so terrify others that nobody will take up the trade of thief-catching in haste and if it were not for such people who are acquainted with us and our houses of resort there would hardly one of our profession in a hundred see the inside of newgate burnworth had scarce made an end of his bloody proposal before they all testified their assent to it with great alacrity higgs only excepted who seeming to disapprove thereof it put the rest into such a passion that they upbraided him in the most opprobrious terms with being a coward and a scoundrel unworthy of being any longer the companion of such brave fellows as themselves when fraser had sworn them all to stick fast by one another he put himself at their head and away they went directly to put their designed assassination into execution higgs retreated under favour of the night being apprehensive of himself when their hands were in since he not being quite so wicked as the rest might share the fate of ball upon the first dislike to him that took them as for burnworth and his party when they came to ball's house and inquired of his wife for him they were informed that he was gone to the next door a public-house and that she would step and call him and went accordingly burnworth immediately followed her and meeting ball at the door took him fast by the collar and dragged him into his own house and began to expostulate with him as to the reason why he had attempted to take him and how ungenerous it was for him to seek to betray his old friends and acquaintances ball apprehending their mischievous intentions addressed himself to blewett and begged of him to be an intercessor for him and that they would not murder him but burnworth with an oath replied he would put it out of the power of ball ever to do him any further injury that he should never get a penny by betraying him and thereupon immediately shot him having thus done they all went out of doors again and that the neighbourhood might suppose the firing of the pistol to have been done without any ill intention and only to discharge the same blewett fired another in the street over the tops of the houses saying aloud they were got safe into town and there was no danger of meeting any rogues there ball attempted to get as far as the door but in vain for he dropped immediately and died in a few minutes afterwards having thus executed their barbarous design 
they went down from ball's house directly towards the falcon intending to cross the water back again footnote falcon stairs were just east of where blackfriars bridge now stands End footnote. by the way they accidentally met with higgs who was making to the waterside likewise him they fell upon and rated for a pusillanimous cowardly dog as burnworth called him that would desert them in an affair of such consequence and then questioned whether higgs himself would not betray them burnworth proposed it to the company to shoot their old comrade higgs because he had deserted them in their late expedition which it is believed in the humour burnworth was then in he would have done had not marjoram interposed and pleaded for sparing his life from the falcon stairs they crossed the water to trigg stairs footnote trigg lane ran from thames street to the water's edge near lambeth hill End footnote. and then consulting how to spend the evening they resolved to go to the boar's head tavern in smithfield as not being at a distance from the waterside in case any pursuit should be made after them on account of the murder by them committed at which place they continued until near ten of the clock when they separated themselves into parties for that night that is one party towards the royal exchange the second to st paul's churchyard the third to temple bar in pursuit of their old trade of diving this murder made them more cautious of appearing in public and blewett berry and dickinson soon after set out for harwich and went over in a packet-boat from thence for hellefutzlaus higgs also being daily in fear of a discovery shipped himself on board the monmouth man-of-war at spithead where he thought himself safe and began to be a little at ease but just as quickly overtook him when he thought himself safest from its blow for his brother who lived in town having wrote a letter to him and given it to a ship's mate of his to carry to him at spithead this man accidentally fell into company with one arthur a watchman belonging to st sepulchre's parish and pulling the letters by chance out of his pocket the watchman saw the direction and recollected that higgs was a companion of fraser's upon this he sent word to mr delassay under secretary of state and being examined as to the circumstances of the thing proper persons were immediately dispatched to spithead who seized and brought him up in custody wilson another of the confederates withdrew about the same time and had so much cunning as to preserve himself from being heard of for a considerable time burnworth in the meanwhile with some companions of his continued to carry on their rapacious plunderings in almost all parts of the town and as they kept pretty well united and were resolute fellows they did a vast deal of mischief and yet were too strong to be apprehended amongst the rest of their pranks they were so audacious as to stop the earl of scarborough in piccadilly but the chairman having courage enough to draw their poles and knock one of the robbers down the earl at the same time coming out of the chair and putting himself upon his defence after a smart dispute in which burnworth shot one of the chairmen in the shoulder and thereby prevented any pursuit 
they raised their wounded companion and withdrew in great confusion about this time their robberies and villainies having made so much noise as to deserve the notice of the government a proclamation was published for the apprehending burnworth blewett etc it being justly supposed that none but those who were guilty of these outrages could be the persons concerned in the cruel murder of ball a gentleman who by accident had brought one of these papers came into the alehouse at whitecross street and read it publicly the discourse of the company turning thereupon and the impossibility of the persons concerned making their escape and the likelihood there was that they would immediately impeach one another marjoram one of the gang was there though known to nobody in the room weighing the thing with himself he retired immediately from the house into the fields where loitering about till evening came on he then stole with the utmost caution into smithfield and going to a constable there surrendered himself in a way of obtaining a pardon and the reward promised by the proclamation that night he was confined in the wood street compter his lordship not being at leisure to examine him the next day as he was going to his examination the noise of his surrender being already spread all over the town many of his companions changed their lodgings and provided for their safety but barton thought of another method of securing himself from marjoram's impeachment and therefore planting himself in the way as marjoram was carrying to goldsmith's hall he popped out upon him at once though the constable had him by the arm and presenting a pistol to him said damn ye i'll kill you marjoram at the sound of his voice ducked his head and he immediately firing the ball grazed only on his back without doing him any hurt the surprise with which all who were assisting the constable in the execution of his office were all struck upon this occasion gave an opportunity for barton to retire after his committing such an insult on public justice as perhaps was never heard of however marjoram proceeded to his examination and made a very full discovery of all the transactions in which he had been concerned levy being taken that night by his directions in white cross street and after examination committed to newgate burnworth was now perfectly deprived of his old associates yet he went on at his old rate even by himself for a few nights after he broke open the shop and house of mr beasley a great distiller near clare market and took away from thence notes to a great value with a quantity of plate which mistaking for white metal he threw away one benjamin jones picked it up and was thereupon hanged being one of the number under sentence when the condemned hold was shut up and the criminals refused to submit to the keepers burnworth was particularly described in the proclamation and three hundred pounds offered to any who would apprehend him yet so audacious was he as to come directly to a house in holborn where he was known and laying a loaded pistol down on the table called for a pint of beer which he drank and paid for defying anybody to touch him though they knew him to be the person mentioned in the proclamation 
it would be needless to particularize any other bravados of his which were so numerous that it gave no little uneasiness to the magistrates who perceived the evil consequences that would show if such things should become frequent they therefore doubled their diligence in endeavouring to apprehend him yet all their attempts were to little purpose and it is possible he might have gone on much longer if he had not betrayed the natural consequence of one rogue's trusting another it happened at this time that one christopher leonard was in prison for some such feats as burnworth had been guilty of who lodged at the same time with the wife and sister of the fellow kit leonard knowing in what state he himself was and supposing nothing could so effectually recommend to him the mercy and favour of the government as the procuring fraser to be apprehended who had so long defied all the measures they had taken for that purpose he accordingly made the proposal by his wife to persons in authority and the project being approved they appointed a sufficient force to assist in seizing him who were placed at an adjoining alehouse where kate the wife of kit leonard was to give them the signal about six of the clock in the evening of shrove tuesday kate leonard and her sister and burnworth being all together it not being late enough for him to go out upon his nightly enterprises kate leonard proposed they should fry some pancakes for supper which the other two approved of accordingly her sister set about them burnworth took off his surtout coat in the pocket of the lining whereof he had several pistols there was a little back door to the house which burnworth usually kept upon the latch in order to make his escape if he should be surprised or discovered to be in that house unperceived by burnworth and whilst her sister was frying the pancakes kate went to the alehouse for a pot of drink when having given the men who were there waiting for him the signal she returned and closed the door after her but designedly missed the staple the door being thus upon the jar only as she gave the drink to burnworth the six persons rushed into the room burnworth hearing the noise and fearing the surprise jumped up thinking to have made his escape at the back door not knowing it to be bolted but they were upon him before he could get it open and holding his hands behind him one of them tied them whilst another to intimidate him fired a pistol over his head having thus secured him they immediately carried him before a justice of the peace who after a long examination committed him to newgate notwithstanding his confinement in that place he was still director of such of his companions as remained at liberty and communicating to them the suspicions he had of kate leonard's betraying him and the dangers there were of her detecting some of the rest they were easily induced to treat her as they had done ball one of them fired a pistol at her just as she was entering her own house but that missing they made two or three other attempts of the same nature until the justice of the peace placed a guard thereabouts in order to secure her from being killed and if possible to seize those who should attempt it after which they heard no more of these sorts of attacks in newgate they confined burnworth to the condemned hold and took what other necessary precautions they thought proper in order to secure so dangerous a person 
and who they were well enough aware meditated nothing but how to escape he was in this condition when the malefactors before mentioned that is barton swift etc were under sentence and it was shrewdly suspected that he put them upon that attempt of breaking out of which we have given an account before there were two things which more immediately contributed to the defeating their design the one was that though five of them were to die the next day yet four of them were so drunk that they were not able to work the other was that they were so negligent in providing candles that two hours after they were locked up they were forced to lie by for want of light End of chapter 15, part 1. Recording by Linda Johnson.